Ja, recording, hè. <coughs> All that Omicron and shit going on. Omicron. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is the absolutely fantastic Jojo, to whom I say hello, Jojo. Howdy do, Graham. <laughs> Jojo, we're doing fine. We're doing all right. We are doing absolutely cool. It's raining over here. I don't know how things are on your neck of the wood in California, but it's raining it's, it's it's in the 30s here and sunny and apparently tomorrow we're gonna get a, a like a real storm so i don't know should be interesting yeah we've been expecting storms for the better part of last night and it hasn't yet happened or it happens uh, it has happened some parts of the carolinas but not here in the city in the queen city of charlotte so that's queen good city. man the queen city of charlotte the queen city all right all right all right so today ladies and gentlemen we have arrived to what we call our year-end review and if you've listened to this show for the past couple of years this is going to be the third time we're doing this isn't it it is yeah yeah that's insane the very first time we did this we did it for an entire decade (laughs) (laughs) isn't it (laughs) yeah we did we were we, ambitious. Yeah, we did it for an entire decade, and it was actually the very first time we had recorded anything for our YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, you should probably go ahead and uh, take a look. The very first file we uploaded there, and there's some very interesting facts there, because, you know, we did our thing, didn't we? We did. But today we are going to go through the year 2021 and we are going to talk about some of the shows and films that we watched on TV, but specifically those that we were able to stream. As you will remember, kicking and streaming is all about streaming. We don't mess around with shit that's on like TV just like that. We stream stuff. And so we are going to talk about the top 20 best things that we saw this year, or, well, the majority of it we saw, right, George? Yes. Pretty much all of these we've we either talked about or we've seen separately. There are a few that we have not seen, but right. we added those because they were on every list everywhere. So, Right. So we compare our list with lists that are published on different outlets just to see how far off we are or if if you know because uh, we're, <laughs> we're making like that. sense at all <laughs> <laughs> we're quirky like that judge aren't we <laughs> we are we are <laughs> and so with that comparison we realize that as a matter of fact a huge majority of the shows that we talked about this year we're also on the radar of the people who compile lists for different outlets. Also, you're going to find a special version of this list on our YouTube channel. It's not going to be the podcast per se. We are doing an actual video 
with a countdown and everything that comes with it. Right, Jojo? That's right. Very exciting stuff. Very well. So we have compiled everything in 20 different shows and movies. Yes. Let's talk about number 20. We're going to start from the bottom, Jojo. Who do we have mm-hmm. on number 20? So for number 20, we decided to go with the Netflix movie Skater Girl. Skater Girl. Yes. Skater Girl was a special movie for us because, granted, it wasn't anything that uh, made a blast, right? I mean, in fact, you suggested Skater Girl, and I was like, Skater Girl? (laughs) (laughs) It makes you think of that old Avril Lavigne song, like, right away, but it it has nothing to do with Avril Lavigne. (laughs) Yeah, but I have to say, it was a fantastic little movie. We loved it. Yes. We talked very highly of it, right, Jojo? Yes, we did. Yeah. And one particular conversation we had was about the director and writer of this movie, uh, Manjari Makijani, who basically, coming from a a family of film royalty in India, decided that she was going to be not, you know, on the other, on, on front, in front of the camera, but rather behind the camera. And that every material that she put that she puts out there was going to tell a story about the different societal issues in India, the plight of women, the plight of girls, the caste system that most Indians will tell you it's more about class than caste. But we we had a nice little conversation about that, Jojo. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes, yes, I do. I do. I, this movie was is is close to my heart because I, I think it's a fabulous little movie, and I I think uh, more people need to see it because it's just it's got a little bit of everything, and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and take a listen to what we had to say about this. Cool. I also felt for the character of Prerna, our young heroine, as you call her. Because the director and writer of this movie is someone who has made it a point to make these kind of films for India and in India. Her name is Manjari Makijani. And Manjari Makijani is from a family of Bollywood royalty, if you will, because she has cousins, brothers and sisters, all of whom, uncles, all of whom have a background in acting and are famous in, in India. But she herself decided, I'm going to direct. I want to be a director. But in her movies, she has a history of presenting you the plight of the woman has no choice, who has very little choices. Yeah. And that is a reality, not only in India, but in pretty much all over the world, even... In, in like we we live under the this illusion that this is a country of choices where we live in the United States right like yo it's my choice but we wake up every day and we hear different states passing laws to limit a woman's right to choose to limit LGBTQ rights this issue of choices are a reality all over the world but yes. whatever Anybody things are going through in terms of those choices for women around the world, it is a thousand times worse. And that's 
one of the messages in this book. That's the larger message in, in this book, isn't it, George? Yeah, yeah, that, you know, we do have in the United States the the illusion and the reality of, of freedom. Uh, we have the reality of more freedom in some cases, but we also have the illusion of it because it depends on your your class, your socioeconomic standing. It depends on the color of your skin. It depends on what state you live in. It depends on what kind of health insurance your parents have. It depends on what kind of religion your parents are. So, I mean, when it comes down to being a woman in the United States, you may not have exactly the same problems that a young girl in India is going to have, but there is still the issues of having things forced upon you that you don't want or having things withheld from you that you do want just because you're happen to be a woman. Right. So there you have it. This was our conversation about Skater Girl, and it was such a special movie. It made our list and it's number 20 on our list. All right, then. We are going to move on to the number 19 on the list, right, Jojo? Yes. What, what do we have? Tell me about this one. So this one is one that we didn't watch for the show. We didn't discuss on the show. And uh, I don't think that either you or I have seen it, but it is one that made many, 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 many top lists. And that's Made for Love. It was uh, an HBO Max series. Kristen uh, Milati stars in it. And it is, I don't know that this one was like a huge hit in terms of a real, I don't remember a lot of people talking about it or anything, but this was a a critics, critics really, really loved this one. Yeah. Actually, I have to confess, I saw the trailer for that. Okay. One, I think one of the, you know how like when you, we're going to start a show either on Apple TV or on, on HBO Max they sneak a trailer from something else before you see the show. Yes. And I think I was watching John Oliver or something, and I saw a trailer for that. And I'm always interested in watching whatever Christine Milioti is on because she is good. She really she, is. She's, 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 a, she's a fantastic actress, and she has, like, this really cool thing about her that I've hardly ever seen anything that she's on that is not actually good. Agreed. You know. Agreed. And so I, I planned actually to, well, I should, shouldn't say planned. I, I actually still think about watching this series, but haven't gotten to it. But it made our list because we know that it's a special one. We know that the topic itself is 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 interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing that is going to change the world, is it? No, no, not going to change the world. I don't, and, and you know, I need to would need to see it to speak to like the the higher social commentary of of misogyny and oppression of women and all that. But it's definitely a very interesting premise, a sci-fi premise of having a your husband implant a chip in your brain so he can tra- track your movements and and see where you are. So. I think this one is interesting. I, the idea of Ray Romano playing her dad, I think, is is funny. So I, I think this one is is deserving of on our list, being on our list. Right. And, and just to your point about Ray Romano, I've seen Ray Romano do a couple of dramatic characters, and he's good. 
He is very convincing. If you remember the the movie The Big Sick with yeah. what's his name? Kumail Nanjiani. He he played the father of Kumail Nanjiani's girlfriend and then wife at the time. He was very good. And there was also a show that did not survive for a long time. But it was it, it was called Men of a Certain Age. Yes. And Ray Romano was like the most serious of the characters in in that too. So so yeah, that that adds to the fuel of wanting to see this show. Because yeah. Ray Romano is, is, is he he's actually good. Yeah. Uh, so that is our number nineteen for for this year, Made for Love on HBO Max. If yes. you haven't watched it, take a look. You'll like it because hey, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on number eighteen, we have the Mosquito Coast, which is an Apple Plus TV, Apple TV Plus series. Well, so the Mosquito Coast is also one that has been on my radar, but again, you know, we podcast about things that we watch and we binge watch a lot of stuff. Yes, but we 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 kind of work. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we kind of have a life and stuff because, like, you know, right. we um, don't make money out of podcasting. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> if you would like to change that, you can. You can <laughs> You're certainly, certainly do welcome that. to. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But we don't make money out of podcasting, so we go to work, and and so it's it some things we have on our playlist. And we still haven't gotten to to them. Yeah. So <laughs> add to that the fact that we have to watch something on a weekly basis so that we can come here and tell you. So I haven't ha- gotten to Mosquito Mosquito Coast. Would you care to give us a, a, a bit of a of a description of what it's about? Yeah, Jojo? this one this one was another critic's darling that I I didn't hear anything at all about until when we started researching our our end of the year list. So. I'm very interested in this one, but it's a, a story of um, like an off the grid family, like I guess sort of like preppers. They run afoul of a, a cartel, oh. and it's their their story of of escaping the cartel and what it's like to live off the grid and 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 all of that. And, and apparently, um, every thing that I read is that it's just very gripping it's very uh, edge of your seat type drama and just a fantastic watch yeah that sounds really good so the mosquito coast has made number 18 on our list again not a show that we've watched but it, it made so many other lists that we thought one we have to give it a go because we like this type of thing and two mm-hmm. You know, if it makes so many lists, even if we haven't made, we haven't done a podcast episode about it because we haven't watched it, well, it should get a place on our list too. Right, Jojo? Agreed. Excellent. Agreed. So now we are moving on to reservation dogs. And even though we haven't had an episode about that for number 17, I know... I remember you mentioning it, mentioning it in passing on one of our upcoming, you know, what's streaming next month kind of things. So tell me about this one, Jojo. How did you come about selecting Reservation Dog, Reservation's Dog as 
Well, I am a huge fan of Takeo Watiti. He is, to me, hilarious and brilliant and poignant and all of the things that a creator should be when it comes to television. So this is a show that, that he's created. And uh, this one airs on Hulu. It is a comedy series. To me, though, it's great in terms of representation because it's it's one of the first shows that is uh, about indigenous people and indigenous cast you know it's it's everything that i have read about it and everything that i've seen is that this is even though it's a comedy a very accurate portrayal of indigenous life in oklahoma and i just i this one again made all of the lists as as one to watch and uh i think that even though this was its first season, everything I've read is that the, the everyone has have very high hopes for the second season. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this one. Yeah. Again, you might think, have they watched any of, of what they're talking about? We, we don't necessarily. It's important to understand that this list also is not only about what we've seen, but rather what through general consensus is is worthy of mentioning, right? Right. And so, I, also, since we're sort of starting at the bottom, if you will, and working our way up, you know, as we work the way up, we've, we've definitely seen a lot more of these. So. No, absolutely. <laughs> I think we ranked ones a bit lower that we haven't seen just on the basis that we, we have not seen them, so it's hard to give them, you know, a, a complete rating, if you will, uh, other than Skater Girl. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, Reservation Dogs is on my list. And thank God I, I now have a Hulu that doesn't insert commercials, which I, just... I actually didn't. I never knew. You, you could, I mean, you have to pay a bit more, but uh, I have a college goer who gets, like, a student discount or whatever, so... You know, you have to get advantage of those. That's right. You That's know. right. That's so, right. You're yeah. paying that money for college for something. Hulu. <laughs> for Hulu, dude. <laughs> I send you to college, you get me Hulu for free. Hey. All right. Seems fair. That's awesome. <laughs> so number 17 is Reservation Dogs on Hulu in a creation of Taika Waititi, who is one of... Jocelyn's favorite people on earth. And um, yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, this guy is insane. Like, like yeah. his, his, his humor is something to, to reckon with. And, and I yeah, love he, it. He has just got a very particular brand of humor that it's, it's one of those things like he, he wrote, and uh, I believe directed an episode of The Mandalorian, and I actually didn't even know that he was involved in it. And there was a joke, and I was like, "That sounds like a what TT joke? Does that?" And then, <laughs> yeah, it, he was he'd worked on it, so <laughs> yeah. So one of those things, it's like it, it's almost like trademarks. Like you know, you know, oh, you you know a Quentin Tarantino movie when you see it. You know, you yeah. know a Spike Lee movie when you see it. So yeah. And he's so recognizable that even under heavy makeup on on the Thor movies, 
you know, you could tell that's Taika, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's Taika. So you, you, you know who we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So let's move on to number 16. This one, I will let you talk about it because I remember at the beginning of this year, you raving about this little show. Yes. And, and talking about, all oh, how cute it was and blah, blah, blah. So tell us, who do we have on number 16, Georgia? So number 16 is a Netflix show, and it's Sweet Tooth. It's based on a comic book, and so it's a sci-fi fantasy. It is about a little, a little boy who is a half-deer, half-human hybrid, and is a child that was born that they considered to be sort of a, a harbinger of, of evil, if you will. There was a great, what they called the great crumble of society. And uh, so this is sort of post-apocalyptic dystopian future, but with a heart. And this one isn't too dark in the sense of some of these, you know, you watch them and you just want to go get drunk afterwards because <laughs> you're like... God, everything is shit. People are shit. This one isn't like that. This one is very... The Gus is the name of the lead character, and the little boy who plays him is a brilliant actor and brings huge humanity to this role that, that could have, I think, been quite ridiculous because, I mean, it, it is a little boy wearing antlers. But it's not. It's, it's, it's a lovely, sweet little show. I binged it in... I, I think a day because I just couldn't wait to watch the next episode. And I I loved this one. I loved all the characters. I loved the actors. There's some really great supporting cast. And uh, it ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. So I, I'm ready for the next season. Oh, so there'll be a next season. I Yeah, they, it did get picked up for a second season. Fantastic. You know, I was surprised to see Will Forte on, on this one. Yes. You know, because Will Forte... It's weird because when, when he was on Saturday Night Live, some of his things were a bit dull to me, some of his characters, and, and I never thought of him as the best comedian. But he, he had some hilarious shit too, you know. And I'm like, why doesn't he do, why doesn't he do more of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Then he left Saturday Night Live. He's had a couple of things, hasn't he? Yeah. Because yeah. didn't you do the last man on earth? Is it, is it? I was about to say last man on earth, I believe yeah. he was. Yeah. And then yeah. and then this. So clearly he's got a thing for the post-apocalyptic shit, is <laughs> <laughs> He's been typecast. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> but yeah, Jojo, I this one, I don't know why I've not been tempted to watch it. I've, I, I have to confess, I've passed on it a couple of times. It uh, it is weird. I mean, I it is it is a weird one, and I I think I started it because it just looked so strange to me. I was like, I don't know about this, and then I just got sucked in, and and I couldn't stop watching it. But I tell you what, I last night I was gathering all of the clips and and, and trailers that I needed to create the YouTube video version of this episode and I watched the trailer for Sweet Tooth and actually ended up kind of like interested. I'm like, okay, I, I'd like to see what where this goes, any. <laughs> yeah. So so I probably will watch it. I'm gonna have some 
days off uh, during the, the holiday times and stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at that. But it made our list. And it is numbers. And by the way, it made several of the lists that we yes. consulted with. Yes, it did. So, it did. And there was one list that um, they had it in their top five of the year. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. So here's one that it probably will come out of the left field for most of our listeners. It's a movie, a Netflix movie on our number 15 called... The White Tiger. Jojo, we had an episode about this one. We did. And if I remember correctly, you were the one who recommended this one. Uh, I think I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. it was me. Yeah. I, I heard an interview on NPR about this show, and I, about this movie, and I became interested. But I, I, it was never on my mind to do a podcast episode about it. And then when we talked about it, you were like, yeah, this is, you have to talk about this one. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Like once, once I watched it, I was like, yeah, we definitely have to talk about this one. So, so Jojo, we do have a clip of how we went about talking about the white tiger. Yeah. So we talked about it back on, on April 5th, but this one is a, um, it's a movie. It's a, it's a. A Netflix film. It is uh, an Indian production, and it is. Uh, it does talk about the the caste system and classism, and the effect of that um, on modern day India, and the fact that it's very much alive, and uh, it's a. Uh, beautifully produced um it's 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 really beautiful to watch and then the the cast in this is is so good and their performances are so good that it really helps you understand um the cast system if you've never been exposed to it or don't know anything about it it really gives you a, a grasp of of what that actually means for uh, to, to live in India. And, um, I think that that, that itself, I mean, it's a fabulous story and it's an entertainment story, entertaining story as well. But I think that that in itself is another reason to watch it too, is to gain some understanding of, of what it can be like in India. You know, one of the most inter interesting things to me about, uh, the caste system and, 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 and what it's, you know, what it represents is that, I haven't watched a, a huge amount of of Indian movies, but the ones that I've watched have always had a slight indictment towards that system. Yet, for some reason, everyday normal Indian people, uh, whenever they hear about mentioning of the caste system, they have sort of a rebuke for it, as in, you know, it's not so much a caste system as it is a, a, a system of haves and have-have-nots. Well, that's caste, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, on, yeah. on, on, on the YouTube channel, somebody made a very... And it was an, an incredibly complimentary comment because they actually thank us, thanked us for the way we approached with the respect and dignity that we approached, even talking about something as horrible as caste can be. 
But yet he felt like he needed to say, well, it's not so much a, you know, a caste system as opposed to, as it is a, a, a class system. And he based that on a, on a phrase, I suppose, that was said in the movie where it says, like, in India you have two classes, the big bellies and the, and the skinny bellies, which refers to the rich and the poor. But the fact is, even within that, you've got the, you know, the, within that system, you do have caste inserted into it. I, I, I remember talking about um, a, an Indian software engineer in Silicon Valley who was actually suing the company that he worked for because he wasn't protected against caste system, even within the company. Because when he started working there, all he, all he had to do was tell people where he came from, other Indians, where he came from, what region he came from, and what was his last name, for them to start treating him differently and assigning him all the shitty work because the caste system is, is, has even, you know, spread within the Indian community in the United States. So there's that. But we did have a talk about it, and we want to let you listen to what we said, what we had to say back then. For me, this movie is an indictment on that system. Uh, yes. An indictment yes. of this system. But at the same time, it tells you a story of the complexity of servitude, the complexities of that relationship between between master and slave, slave and master. And there are two analogies there that Balram makes that for me are perfect. The one is when he says, do we loathe our masters under the guise of love or do we love our masters under the guise of love? That's, that's the number one analogy here. That's the number one rhetorical question for me that, 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 that is posed and it makes you take a step back and want to actually figure this one out. And also yeah. the analogy of the chicken coop, uh, the, 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 the rooster coop. The rooster coop, yes. You know. Yes. So, so what, what, what did you, what, what did you take on that, Jojo? The rooster coop analogy really, really, really hit home for me. I, <laughs> I grew up around chickens, <laughs> but uh, so I, so in the literal sense of chickens, he's he's completely right. They know what's going to happen, and and they don't do anything about it. it because they don't think they can. I mean, and you can say that's just because they're chickens and, you know, they have brains that are about this big, but that's, that's, that's not the point of what it is. The point is if this is ingrained in you, if you are told over and over again, that you are absolutely not worthy, that you will never be worthy, that there's nothing you can do to change the way your life is, the way you are, that you are dirty, that you are implicitly and deeply inside your genes a bad person because right. of where where you were born or how you were born 
you're you're never going to rebel against that because what in the world is the point? You you you're, you were born bad, and so that's all you know. That's, that's all, all you, you know, know, right? You right. and and you and to, and the idea of that being wrong is so difficult for anybody to embrace because everybody around you believes believes that as well and will happily demonstrate it to you if they believe they're higher than you are and and your family members who also believe it too are going to ingrain it into you that we don't do that because we aren't good enough to do that you're not good enough to do that none of us are good enough to do that you know and i i really i just was i was very that one kind of hit me like a I don't know, like a train or something. The the thought of that because it the, the caste system is so horrible and you it's it's you see it in India, of course, it actually has a name. Right. <laughs> but you also see it in other countries where it you know, if it's you know, if you're if you're born in this neighborhood, oh, you're a piece of junk and you're never going to be anything but what you are. Or, you know, if you have this accent, then you're, you're obviously stupid. Or, you know, if you're, I, you know, if you do, if you dress a certain way or if you weigh a certain amount, you know, there's, there's always prejudices and things like that. And again, I'm not necessarily comparing that to the caste system in the horrible way it is in India and the very, very, you know, divisive way it is in India, but just in the sense of to a lesser degree, we can see that everywhere. And I think that India is a very extreme example of that. And that, that's just, it hurts my heart. Very well then. So that was number 15 on our list, the white tiger. And it is a Netflix movie. Jojo back to you. (laughs) (laughs) so our uh pick for number 14 was uh actually a true kind true crime documentary from netflix which was sophie a murder in west cork we did an episode on this back on july 11th and uh we included this one because it was a very good documentary very compelling story and very compassionate, not sensationalized, uh, like some true crime can be. And this is also one of our more popular episodes that we've had. We've had a, a lot of listens to this one. So, um, this was, this is a, is a very good documentary and I think a, a great example of how true crime can be done well. Absolutely. I was listening to this episode for the editing of this particular episode, I was listening to the episode about about this true crime documentary, Sophie, a murder in West Cork. And I was really struck by something you said that I didn't remember. And it is the fact that this particular documentary makes sure that everyone, every party, had a certain amount of dignity when referred to. Whether it was Sophie, the victim in this case, in the sense that, as you will hear in the clip that we've got, Jojo makes a point to say that, you know, this wasn't sensationalized and and this is what documentaries, true crime documentaries should be about. But also Ian Bailey, who was the accused in the suspect murder, 
was also given a certain amount of dignity almost to the end. So this is how we talked about it. Let's hear it. I did enjoy the fact that to me, it didn't seem to be horribly sensationalized. You, you'd never see her body, which I think is a wonderful thing for a documentary. So often they show you the person after they're dead and the aftermath and, you know, crime scene photos and things like that. And I feel like that's something that Americans at least have come to expect in a true crime story. And I do feel that's kind of sad because that's, although we are learning and, and discussing this person because something horrible happened to them, I feel like we should be focusing on the person that they were before they were horrifically murdered, not necessarily what was left after that event. And to your point, I think that was done very perfectly. Like there was, there was a dignified way that Sophie Tuscan Duplantier was always spoken of. And both on the end of the family, and as a matter of fact, even on the end of the person who, until today, was the suspected murderer. Now we are going to move on to number 13 on our list, and it is Crime of the Century. So this one is actually a documentary, and as you will see, this podcast is not limited to only movies and TV series. We do a lot of documentaries too because both Jojo and I, we nerdish like that, <laughs> you know. I love a good documentary. I love a good documentary. I mean, I, <laughs> I like to learn things. So, you know, and I love the, the media of film and the media of, of television. So if I can learn something from that media, then that's like, that's awesome. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and so... On the crime of the century, this one is about the opioid crisis told from perhaps the optics of people who, one, are the victims of it, also some of the people who perpetrated it, because some of the very famous sales reps from, from, from Purdue Pharma that take part on these former sales reps. And also, it tells you the story of how the U.S. government is complicit to the entire opioid crisis that they are trying to attempting to solve. So, Jojo, what else can we say about this? I think that this one is is really essential viewing at this point because uh, I think all of us know someone who's been impacted by opioids, either by becoming an addict themselves or having a family member that's become an addict. So I, I think that this is essential viewing in that it's important to know how this started and why it gained such traction so damn quickly. And I, I think that we did a great episode uh, on this one back on May 18th when we went over it. I think we did a fabulous episode. Excellent. So let's take a listen to what we had to say back then. Let's talk about the whole, I'll give you whatever fine you say I should give you, except that I'm not admitting any guilt. Yes. This, yes. Is, this is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. How can you tell me, yeah, I mean, I'll pay you whatever you want me to pay you, but I didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. And you can't yeah. say I had anything to do with it. That, for, yeah. for, for, for any... So why did you start the prosecution to begin with? 
Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. If yes. nothing happened here, right, why did you start the persecution to begin with? Secondly, why are you willing to pay the fine if nothing happened here? Come on, fight me in court. Why don't yeah. you try that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't... I don't understand why that is allowed. Those kinds of plea deals are allowed in very high profile cases like that. Yeah. Because, because they're, they, it's not like they paid billions of dollars. They paid a, tra- a traffic ticket. Well, I like exactly. that term that they kept saying for yes. them, it was a traffic ticket and it was never, their names were never attached to anything. The company name was never attached to having ever pled to anything or nothing at all like that. So uh, there was, I don't know why that exists in such a high profile and such an important case. I understand why it exists in smaller cases because people may roll over. They may give testimony against somebody that you need. That wasn't going to happen here. All they got here was a little bit of money and a lot of wasted time. So I I don't understand why that exists in in high profile cases. I don't get it. Right. So that was Crime of the Century on HBO Max. Fantastic documentary. If you haven't watched it, if you passed on it, perhaps you might want to take a moment. And I think, well, is it, what was it, about two or three episodes? I believe it was three episodes. Three episodes. About three episodes. But yeah. very well condensed, very well told story. It, it really, really needs to be watched. So, Crime of the Century is on HBO Max and it is in a window into the origins, maybe, of the opioid crisis. Right. So, Jojo, what do we have for number 12 on the list? So, for number 12, we have one that kind of goes hand in hand with the crime of the century in that it is Dope Sick. This is the Hulu series, the dramatization, if you will, um, of the opioid crisis This one is based on a book by journalist Beth Macy. And uh, we talked about this one too. There's some great performances in this one from Michael Keaton and Caitlin uh, Dever or Dever, not sure which, which she goes. And so we talked about this one on October 26th. So uh, that's. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to listen a little bit about this because, I mean, everything that needed to be said about the crisis, the opioid crisis, have been said already. But if you, I mean, the documentary is fantastic, but if you're not into it, you might want to watch this one too because it's, 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 it has some fictional characters, but the bulk of the story in itself is told pretty faithfully uh, in, as to you know, how is it going and what's happening? Any? Yep. And I, yeah. I think too, that if you've seen this one and you want to know more, it would be great to watch the crime of the century. Or if you watch the crime of the century and, and you, you know, you, you want a little more, you know, I don't know, meat on the bones, if you will, then, then this one is, is a good one to watch too. So I, I just, I think they go hand in hand really well together. Excellent. So let's take a listen. I think one of the things that people should understand is that part of the reason it has been so difficult to get to the Sacklers is because they know from the beginning that they weren't your everyday kind of drug dealers. Yes. And, and because they weren't 
part of a criminal enterprise, even though what they've done is an actual crime, but they weren't part of a crime enterprise. So, so because they're a legitimate business, they have established themselves as one of the most philanthropic families in the world, right? There are countless of museums, philharmonic orchestras, you know, art schools, and art houses in the world that have the Sackler family's name in it. So you have to understand what it means when a district attorney from some little Appalachian district comes out and decides, I'm going to present evidence that these motherfuckers are selling a dangerous drug into this particular region, isn't it, Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that took uh, a lot of guts and, and chutzpah on his part. And, you know, for them to put such legitimacy on the fact that they are drug dealers, of course, a lot of that comes from having huge amounts of money, but also part of that comes from having huge amounts of influence because, you know, there are plenty of cartels that are incredibly rich that are still on like, you know, most wanted lists uh, in some, in, in other countries like FBI and that sort of thing. So just because the money, it doesn't always get the legitimacy. So the Sacklers were able to do this. So it's all wrapped up in a beautiful little capitalism bow. And, you know, they just sold, sold drugs as, you know, like a, a street corner hustler would, but they, they did it the, the quote unquote right way, the, the non-dirty way. Right, so Dope Seek was the number 12 on our list. And now we move on to number 11, one of my personal favorite shows, which JoJo has the nerves of not having watched yet. I haven't. I still I still have to get Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, I still don't have Apple. JoJo. Uh, jo- jo- jo. I know, I suck. My <laughs> goodness, JoJo. <laughs> <clears throat> Mm. Mm. Like Peacock would be forgivable, right? I can, I can. Yeah, can nobody care about no damn Peacock? What did I, I saw? I saw a joke that was like, because um, there was a movie that was released in theaters and on Peacock at the same time. I can't remember what the movie was, but like it was doing really well in theaters, but nobody was watching it on Peacock. And a comedian was like, "It's just proof that people would rather expose themselves to COVID than download Peacock." Dude, seriously. <laughs> Here's the thing. And this is an aside, too, but like I have Peacock. I'll confess, I do have Peacock. The reason I have Peacock is because they're holding me hostage. If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you will know now that I am a fervent follower of the English Premier League soccer, right? It's good to get in hand with our number 11. <laughs> exactly, that's right. Good segue. And, <laughs> NBC. NBC has all the rights to English Premier League in this country. So what they've done is that some of the games, at least a huge chunk of the games, they throw it on Peacock, as opposed to NBCSN or or other channels. So if you want to watch the English Premier League, you have to, like, for instance, this Saturday morning, my favorite team, the team that I follow, Chelsea Football Club, Played and guess where I had to watch the game? Peacock. On Peacock. Peacock. 
That's about the only time I opened that app. Moving on then. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on number 11, we have Ted Lasso. And we're talking about Ted Lasso, although Ted Lasso is not a new show. Ted Lasso is definitely not a new show because this 2021 was season two of Ted Lasso. But I do think that something happened with Ted Lasso this season is that a lot more people started to realize what Ted Lasso was about. Because if anything will turn off Americans about watching any show, it's telling them that some of it has to do with soccer. <laughs> and Ted Lasso, if it's got subtitles and soccer, you're fucked. You're, you're done. You're done for. You're done for, man. And Ted Lasso is the story of a sort of like triple-A coach of American football who gets hired to manage an English Premier League team of soccer while he has no idea, ever, has never played soccer, knows nothing about soccer. But it is the personality of Ted Lasso that ends up winning everything and makes a winner out of him. And Jason Sudeikis is an absolute discovery on this one. So if you remember Jason Sudeikis on Saturday Night Live and was like, yeah, goofy comedian that did the Biden and the whole, you know. This dude is an absolutely fantastic actor. And if you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you should probably go ahead and give it a go now. Right, Georgie? Well, he won an Emmy for it, so. Yeah. Yep. And it wasn't only Jason Sudeikis, right? Because Hannah Waddingham won an Emmy for Ted Lasso. And uh, what's this other dude's name? Uh, Goldstein something. What an Emmy too. That guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. That guy with, with the, the thing. The, exactly. So yes. if you haven't watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV, go ahead and give it, a, give it a go. And you have two seasons to watch to catch up. The next year, there's going to be more Ted Lasso. And it promises to be an absolutely fantastic next season. So, Jojo, I implore you. To get on it. Get on it, Jojo. I know. I need to do that. We're we're an Android household, so anything with the with the Apple brings out the, the vampire's hiss from my husband. So <laughs> even even though it's it's downloadable television, I I still have to. I know, I know, man. Like even <laughs> even myself and I've said that before, like the only reason we have Apple TV here is because the wife and the child, they are part of the cult in uh, the turtle they are clink. consistently changing. You know, if it's somebody's not getting a watch, somebody's getting the new phone or the new uh, bloody iPad, an iPad Air, iPad Earth, iPad Hall, iPad C. It's all five <laughs> elements. So, Earth, wind, fire, unite. <laughs> so, 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 so every time you get an extra year, an extra year, an extra year, an extra year, so at this point, we have had five years of Apple TV that we haven't paid for because these motherfuckers keep taking new stuff. <laughs> anyway, that was my rant. <laughs> I'm the only Android person in this house. Right? 
Jojo, what do we have on number 10? Number 10. So we're, we're in, into our top 10 now. Top 10, ah. yes. Top 10. Uh, so top 10 hey, we've hey, got. No, no, no. Yeah, no hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on, hold on, we, hold on. Yes, we need. We, we need. We, we top we 10, need. right? Top 10, top 10. Yes. Oh. <laughs> All right. So what do we have on top 10, Jojo? So our number 10 is uh, one that we did a podcast episode for back on September 7th, and it is Only Murders in the Building. And uh, this one was Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. It's on Hulu. Uh, It's about true crime. It's about podcasts. It is hilarious and a really good watch and made many, many, many lists, not just ours, as uh, one of the greatest, one of the best shows of, of 2021. And uh, I think it's it's important uh, in that even though the show itself is kind of wackadoo, every actor takes their character and their role very seriously. So, it's, Yeah, uh, Only Murders in the Building was an exceptional one. I had fun talking about it. I know you did, Jojo. And yeah. uh, it's one of those few ones... You know, I edit both the audio and the video version of our show, and I don't really enjoy <laughs> editing a video. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an audio guy, I'm a radio guy. But editing video is, is, is part of what, what we, we have to do. And this one, I actually had fun editing it. So you should watch Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. If you are in a country where Hulu is not accessible, I'm pretty sure that on your cable package, there's it's get it it's it will be available on one of the channels. If not, then I don't know, fucking get Cody or whatever, you know. So what are you gonna? Yeah, only murders in the building. It deserves to be seen, and it is our number ten on the list. Number 10, and we talked about it back on September 7th. September 7th, you may take a look, uh, a listen to that episode. And also, here's a clip, right? Sounds good. Yeah. You are absolutely right. And I like the fact that you put it together beautifully without making it sound like, like they were a sad bunch. Because they aren't. Um, Correct. I think people misunderstand the choice of being of being alone with loneliness. Yes. And you you never referred to, I, I, I listened carefully, you never referred to them as being lonely, but lonesome. And the two things are different in a certain, in a certain way. And there is such a thing as being alone by choice. Yes. But at the same time, there is the possibility of finding company even while you are intent on being alone because the the thing about about being intro, introvert is that it's not that you reject everybody's company but you would rather have the company you want to have exactly <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. And when you have the, the introverts bubble, there are people that can come inside the bubble and they don't drain you. They don't make you feel exhausted. Exactly. And, and I, I use the word lonesome because 
for me, the word lonesome as opposed to lonely has always meant, meant, oh boy, meant that you want somebody. Like you yeah. have a specific person in need. Whereas to me, lonely is just sort of a general feeling of I need to be out with people or something. Exactly. So yeah, I, 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 I think that all three of these people are introverts in their own way for their own reasons. Certainly not pathetic by any means whatsoever. Exactly. But wanting somebody and um, maybe not being able to have the somebody they want and just sort of happen to find each other. And it sounds like maybe that they're able to be in, be in each other's bubbles without too much uh, friction going on. All right, then. So now it's time to talk about number nine on the list, Jojo. You tell me about this one. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so number nine is one that, that we both watched, but we didn't do podcast episode on. And this is one that made all of the lists for a couple lists. It was the best show of 2021. And this one is from Disney Plus, and it is WandaVision. And WandaVision is uh, is a very interesting entry into the MCU universe and mythology, and it's I think it's very accessible because it's it's entertaining in that it shows you a lot of television's history, sitcom history, and you don't have to be a Marvel fan to know what the hell is going on. Like it's, it's, it's enjoyable on its own. You don't have to like, I mean, there's some things if you're a fan that you're going to be like, you're going to pick up on and laugh at that someone who isn't, is not going to notice. But at the same time, you're not, it's not a poor show for that. You don't, you're not completely lost in watching it if you're not a Marvel fan. And uh, this one, this one is, was surprisingly deep for a, a superhero show. That is true. And, and, and Marvel and Disney Plus have continued to do that with other shows that are coming from the MCU. However, WandaVision definitely gave us a, a window into this world that we probably thought about very superficially at some point because, you know, superheroes, whatever. But but we we've suddenly realized that there's more to them than what we... So in the movies and stuff, and part of it for me was the miracle of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bethany together, that that the whole idea of them gelling so well wasn't a fluke in the movies that they were together, in that they brought that same magic yeah. to, to, to this show. Yeah. And these are two people who belong together on the frame of a camera, on the frame of a film. So so this is a show to watch. Although we did not have an entire episode about WandaVision, we did talk about it on our YouTube channel. And right now it's, it's just sitting there. <laughs> it has like six views. <laughs> so if you want to take a look at, at that, you can mm -hmm. go ahead and do that. You know, it's kicking a streaming podcast on YouTube. So it's it's like an eight-minute video. But Jojo and I, we went like all full-blown fan girls and shit <laughs> on this one. So take, <laughs> give it a go, right? Exactly. Exactly. Sweet. So after WandaVision, we move on to 
number eight on our list. And this one is Passing. It's a fairly recent movie, Passing on Netflix. Yes. And it is based on a book written by Nila, is it Nila Watson? Uh, Larson. Nila Larson in the 1920s. And it was a directorial debut also for the director. Who was the director, Jojo? Rebecca Hall. For Rebecca Hall, yeah. This is a beautiful movie, beautifully shot, and there's a lot of artistic concepts, if you will, that converge into this movie. And perhaps because of that, it, it the story doesn't become as compelling as it would have been for those who read the book. Because I, I think Rebecca Hall was doing a lot more than what this movie probably called for. But that's only my opinion. What do you think, Jojo? I, yeah, I, I think that this movie was is is an important piece of, of history. One, you know, it's based on a, a novel that was written contemporaneously uh, in in nineteen the nineteen twenties, and I think that that's sort of important to to see the world as it was at the time through the eyes of the people who were living it at the time, and from everything that I understand, this is a very faithful adaptation of the novel. And I, I enjoyed this movie. It was very, I guess, atmospheric. It's a very feminine movie in my opinion. And I, I don't mean that as like girly feminine or anything like that. I just mean that it's, it's a, the, the director is, is a woman. The, the cast is largely women and it is a very, woman-centric story. And that's not something that I feel we get to see very often on television, a, a woman's life through a woman's eyes. And I think that this is, is an important thing to watch, and it, as well as being a, an incredibly beautiful and moving film. Yeah, we, we had on that episode, we, we had our friend from our clubhouse club, um, is Erica Starkey joined us, and here is what she had to say about her, not necessarily her own experience with passing, but rather people that she's she knows and she's heard of that either fit the profile of passing or were confused by others as people of a different race. Here's a listen. So the whole idea of passing is it might be surprising to a lot of people who have never been black. <laughs> For people who've been black their, their entire lives, we have seen this before. And I remember Jojo and I had a bit of a conversation about the notion of passing, why it's done and, and how prevalent it is everywhere. But I think there's a need more of it. Uh, people feel a need more of doing it in country like the United States, where race is always at the center of everything you do. And um, the way you carry yourself, the way you viewed, the way you are perceived, the way doors opened or shut in your face. And so, Ms. Erga, have you known anyone in particular have you have you met people who are uh, who have dabbled into the whole passing 
No, I have not. But I've had family members that were light enough to pass. I have cousins that were very fair skinned that have blonde hair and blue eyes. And you wouldn't know that they were black. And also my mother, she went to a school with a young lady that was fair skinned. And she had told me a particular story about the white population thought that she was black and actually had called the school and said, why is this white woman, white young girl hanging out with all of these black kids. And come to find out, her mother said, well, she's black. And they had no clue all this time. So that's the only stories that I remember my mother telling me, but I didn't know anybody in particular that passed, but I do have relatives that would be light enough to pass. So there you go. Passing is number eight on our list, and it's a very recent movie. It's still on Netflix. You can watch it today. And it stars um, Ruth Negga and... Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson and Skarsgård. Skarsgård, yes. Yeah. Somebody said on, on YouTube, he's so good at playing despicable husbands. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny stuff, man. All right, then. So now we are on to number seven on the list. And it's an HBO Max one. Tell us about this one, Georgia. So this one is called It's a Sin. This is one, another one that we did not do a podcast about, but this is one that I found to be on every single list that I looked at, and people are calling it essential viewing for, uh, from a history standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint. It is based on true events. It was written by Russell T. Davies, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you are, you certainly know about, and maybe a huge fan of him. But it's about the AIDS crisis, the HIV/AIDS crisis in the UK. In London, and it takes place between 10 years from 1981 to 1991. And I know that we kind of got the, I guess you could say, American side of that with Pose, but It's a Sin is, is from everything that I've read and everything I watched, is, is you know, right up there with Pose and, and something important to, to watch, especially if you're. You know, you want to know about the history and what really happened with the AIDS crisis and, and what it was like to be gay back then. Yes, it's it's one of those that we, had we watched it, we probably would have done an episode about it. But we've never said this, but there are a lot of shows that we watch that we don't get to make an episode about because either, either because... We, we, we just never get to it or because there are something more there's something more pressing that needs to be talked about and by the time we get to it it's, it's no longer relevant having said that I think this show it's a sin deserves everybody's attention it's HBO Max isn't it HBO Max yes and while it is not as flamboyant and probably as joyful as on occasion Pose might be, because that's Pose, this show is compared to Pose because it shines a light on the recent history of what especially gay men went through. The absolute ab abandonment from 
government authorities on people who who basically were were being told you got this because you deserved it as opposed to we're here for you and we have to help and we have to find out what what's what's going on with you so take a watch and as George said this one made several lists and it made our list even though we haven't watched now we're going to move on to number six and uh, <laughs> this one we had a good talk about didn't it Jojo? yes we did <laughs> and it is lupin or lupin lupin as most people know it and Jojo, tell me what, what, what did you like about lupin I loved everything about this series. <laughs> it rem it reminded me of, oh gosh, I guess it's been over 10 years ago now when Sherlock first came out and how excited I was to watch Sherlock and uh, how that show affected me at the time. So this is kind of similar, I guess, in the sense that it's a detective story, but it's from the the French French world, and uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful production, and and there's there's great great performance from the the lead actor Omar Sy, and uh, this this show is just it's so much fun and so well written and just pure entertainment in a very intelligent way. Yeah, I think I think the 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 hallmark of the show is actually how freaking smart it is, and it is in, in like there's no there should be no sense of of shame in comparing it to Sherlock, and I'm talking about Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock, and everything about this show is 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 blockbuster type, right? Omar Sy was born to play this character. And we did an episode about it. And here's how the two of us were trying to figure out why we never heard about the legend of Arsène Lupin when it is such a fantastic character and is, to a certain extent, part of, of, of French folklore and therefore should be European folklore, but you would think so. Uh, Jocelyn had some very good input as to why. We probably have never heard of it. Here we go. So, uh, Jojo, let's talk a bit about the legend of Arsène Lupin. I am amazed that I didn't know anything. I've never, like, I mean, Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, all of these personalities that are legendary personality cults, if you will, in terms of literary invention, I knew about, as a matter of fact. I, I just read earlier today that even the the series that Roger Moore uh, starred on for the longest time as the saint, Simon Templar, was based on the legend of Arsène Lupin. But I... <laughs> I am fascinated by it, yet at the same time, I'm amazed that I had never heard of the adventures of Arsène Lupin, which has been around for almost a bit more than a century, almost. Yeah, yeah. I um, 
I know this much about <laughs> about it. I think mostly because of there was one story that uh, got tied up with a lawsuit because he, uh, the writer, introduced the character of Sherlock Holmes and ended up changing the name to something really funny like Sherlock Jones or something like that to get around. It was Herlock. Herlock as opposed to Sherlock. Yeah. Yes, Herlock, Herlock. So, which I think started the whole like joke about the Sherlock Holmes names and people switching around the letters. So, I mean, awesome for the author to do that. But uh, that is the only reference that I knew anything about. I've, I've never read any of the, the novels or the stories to, to my shame. So I, I was aware that he was kind of in the, the pantheon, if you will, of, of great fiction, maybe not detectives is the right word, but you know, crime crime novels, but I, I, I did not know very much about it at all. So um, I have to say that the series has made me want to read the books. Yes, yes. And, and Maurice Blanc, the author of, or inventor of Arsene Pain, he, he just started writing some small little essays for a weekly publication. So the, the, there aren't even many books written on Lupin, but rather... A collection of small essays, but yeah. for him to have become legendary, to have a an entire cult, how has that not filtered into the American culture of comic books or not comic books, but you know what I mean? Yeah. How how hasn't that happened? What do you think? I I I honestly. The only thing I can come up with is because it is French and they're <laughs> the Brits hate the French so much <laughs> and so much of, of American culture, if you will, is sort of a trickle down through through the English, through through Britain. And that's that's honestly the only thing that I can come up with is that, you know, the the British didn't really want to read anything that came from the, the damn dirty French. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that I can think of because I mean, there were plenty other of other um, characters that are, are similar, you know, in the similar story style that we certainly know about, but, but the, not this one. So that's honestly the only thing I can come down to because obviously the story translates very well. Yeah. So it's not something that you would have to be French to understand, you know, this, this is, this is a, a theme uh, that, that we can all uh, tap into as escapism or, uh, you know, dreaming and that kind of thing. So I don't know why that's my own personal theory is because, you know, so yeah, it was just a question of yeah, we hate the French, so <laughs> <laughs> so we ain't gonna, <laughs> we're not going to make them popular. So that was that was Lupin for number six, and now Jojo, we have made it. Guess what? To the top five. Top five. And on number five, Jojo, we have one that is a darling of everyone in 2021. Yes, this is everybody's everybody's favorite show. This is the Buzz show of 2021 that neither you or I have watched. Yeah. But we had to include it. We had to include it because because it's it's 
apparently very groundbreaking television and uh, important television. And just because we haven't watched it doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve a place on our list. And the show we're talking about is HBO Max series called The Mayor of East Town. Yes, and that's with Kate Winslet. She won an Emmy for it, didn't it? Yes, she did. So you know what we're talking about. Mayor of East Town is supposedly an absolute fantastic show that, Again, because Jojo and I, we work, you know, we, we got stuff to do. We haven't had a chance to binge watch. Yeah. But, but we know the quality of it because, again, when we consulted the lists that we normally do for this time of year, it literally made every list. It made every list. It was, and for some of them, it was was their top one, and it was always in top five. And I think too, you know, with our podcast, we try to not always, but we do try to talk about things that not everybody in the world is talking about. And Mayor of Easttown was receiving so much coverage at the time. It was kind of like, you know, why should we add? to just the general noise about this series. But again, just because we didn't do a podcast about it doesn't mean that it's not worthy of a spot on the list. That's exactly right, Judge. So, Mayor of Town, HBO Max, number five on our list. And now we move on to number four. And this one is... This one was released simultaneously both in theaters and on HBO Max. That's because it's a Warner Brothers production. And it is called Judas and the Black Messiah. This one won a... Did it win an Oscar for Daniel Kaluuya? Uh, yeah. Yes, it won an Oscar for Daniel Kaluuya as Best Supporting Actor, which we we talked about this. We talked about this too, like Best Supporting Actor for a character that was clearly <laughs> the main character. But whatever, dude. So strange. <laughs> So strange. I, I don't. I don't understand anything about the academy, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't need to. Uh, so, so Judas and the Black Messiah. We we were careful to tell people that it, it's not necessarily the a biopic of Fred Hampton of the Black Panther Party of the Illinois Black Panther Party, but rather the telling of a story around that that has to do with Fred Hampton. The acting here was fantastic. You, you had uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, who was just marvelous. And here's us on this episode talking about the threat that a black 21-year-old 20, activist posed to government to the point of taking him, out, taking him or her out, which was the case with Fred Hampton. Here we go. Listen up. And so let's talk about some of the elements here. So Fred Hampton, at the time he was assassinated, he was 21 years old. That's that's so mind-boggling. That's so... 21. Yeah. 21. That's like one of those things. That, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It makes you think, what the fuck did I do with my life? <laughs> Think about think about how the U.S. the mighty U.S. government was so afraid, so rattled by a twenty-one-year-old black activist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
So <laughs> you have to ask yourself, there were a bunch of 21-year-old and older that were at the Capitol riot. Some of them have been released on to their parents. You know, there's, there's a young lady who features very prominently during the riot. You can see her on camera. She goes to a judge and cries, and the judge gives her an absolutely magnificent lecture of uh, the, you know, the rights that are available to anyone in the United States, including the, the right to due process and, and fairness and all kind of shit. And because of that, I want you to understand that this is why you've been released to your mother. So if you fuck up again, if you fuck up again, then those rights will be taken away. But for now, you get to enjoy those rights. But yeah, a 21-year-old black activist gets murdered, clearly murdered, and, 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 and with, with months of, of the plotting by one of the chief law enforcement uh, people in the United States. And uh, yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, very telling for, for, for all of us. It's something that we all need to be aware of that, that it doesn't, if the government deems you a threat, you are going to be taken out and it really doesn't matter what you are, who you are, what you think you stand for. It can turn on a dime. It can turn on the flip of a coin and, and you can be deemed a threat and taken out. And if you think that they won't do that, you're crazy. All right. That was it. Number four on our list, Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know. Where, where do we watch this? Is it's because it's no longer available on, on HBO Max. Oh, that's a brilliant question. I'm not quite sure where we can watch that right now. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you find it, watch it, wherever you can. I'm sure it will come back to HBO Max. Well, I think everything that eventually has come back, so. Right. Okay. So, Georgia, what do we have on number three? So, number three is one... We have not done a podcast about, but one that we have both watched and holds a, a near and dear place, I think, in both of our hearts. <laughs> and that is the series Hacks on HBO Max. Yeah, to this day, I think, for me, is the comedy series of the year. Why is it number three on our list? You probably will figure that one out when we get to the number one. Yes. But I think Hacks is almost to the point of, you could say that Hacks is groundbreaking because what Hacks does is that it pits two women with a huge generational gap and made them discover that there's, there's so much more that unites them than divides them. And the magic of Jean Smart and Hannah Einbinder on screen, that chemistry... Yes. Is unfucking believable. You need to yes. watch this show, Jojo. Right? Yes. yes. 
Yes, one hundred percent. Jean Smart is is she is like a revel a, a revelation in this in this part and in this. And I will watch a show sometimes if the writing isn't there, if I enjoy the chemistry between the actors. But this show has everything. So you've got this amazing chemistry between Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. And then you have fantastic writing, just whip-smart writing, hilarious. And then at the same time, this huge statement about comedy. And, and women in comedy. And it, it's just, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. And I cannot recommend it enough. There you have it. So that's Hacks, HBO Max, number three on our list. Right, so now we are on to number two on our list. This is it. We're getting there. <laughs> and... This is the surprise for me, Jojo, because Midnight Mars from Netflix is a show that I didn't think I was going to like. Mm-hmm. And now I can, I can essentially say that it's one of the best shows I watched in 2021. You tell me, what do you think? Yeah, I <laughs> I went into it going, I, I don't think I'm going to, because this is not really... It's the type of, of show that I would typically watch. And that's not to say that, you know, I'm a snob or anything like that. I, I just mean, like, does this genre is not... Horror is not typically something that I get fully into. And, uh, and supernatural things and that kind of stuff. So this one was a big surprise for me how much I enjoyed it and how... This is another one, I feel like I've said this a lot, but it, it's a theme of our list. How intelligent and how smart the script was. And how how well written it was the these the sort of like existential monologues and the 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 different things that are brought in from biblical passages and things like that. So this this series really was was a, a revelation to me and and you helped me see it too from a, a different angle than I was originally viewing it. So you you helped me find a deeper appreciation of this show than I even originally had. So this this is this is a very good, very good show. We had a fantastic talk about this show. Yes. It was you know, when we make it to one hour on one episode is because we have a lot to say about that show. And yes. <laughs> Midnight Mass was one of those that it, it we we had never had a review of the of the show of kicking and streaming as a podcast based on one episode and we did get a review precisely about this episode this is how deep we went into what what uh, what was the date of that episode Jojo? uh let's see that one was back in october it was uh october the 5th october the 5th so even though we are going to play a clip of it you might want to go ahead and Give it a go and listen to it, the entire episode. It's called Midnight Mass. Here we go. This show, it finds itself actually discussing the intersectionality of evil and good. And the way it goes about it is that it refers to both of these sides of the coin as opinions. So... What we think is bad and what we think is good are just stuff. 
And the only thing that gives them an actual characteristic is that we've been told that I no, this thing is bad, this thing is good. So at the end of the day, good and bad are stories that we tell ourselves, our justifications we create for what we do and, and the way we go about them. Yep. Because from the beginning of times, and, and it actually takes a moment to explain very superficially, but to explain even the origin of most religious faiths. It's humans' inability to explain supernatural stuff, to, to not having enough data to explain why things are happening. So it is important to come up with a certain fable and go with it. <laughs> and those who are seeking explanation they will then view the ones who come up with the explanation as leaders, as wise men and, and sorcerers and stuff like that. And that puts you in a position of power. That puts you in a position of power. That's what priesthood is all about. And, and it also talks a little bit about a time where the church did, did not have leaders, a time where the church was literally... A, a commune, a, a, a community, right? So, so all of that is happening here. But the conclusion, the mass of this story is precisely this, that we have made of ourselves, we have told ourselves a story of who we are and what we are and the importance that we have placed on ourselves by completely denying that we are dust, that we are literally, literally pieces, very little pieces of dust that floated for billions and billions of years <laughs> until we somehow ended up on this rock that is this planet. And with everything that happens within it, we became shaped with life and, and that's that in itself is is a completely different thing but we talk we have invented the whole idea of having an ether and a soul and in and, and we have given ourselves a we have placed an importance on 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 life itself that at the end of the day death demonstrate to us that we are nothing, we were nothing, and we will go back to being absolutely nothing. And now, my friends, we have come to the end. It is time to reveal, ladies and gentlemen, number one. Should we let them guess? Yeah, let's let everybody guess. All right. So if you guessed, you guessed correctly, raise your hand. Number one, the number one series we streamed this year on Kicking and Streaming Podcasts. And we had an episode about it. And it is to this day the most popular episode we've ever done 
with more than 3,500 downloads to this day. You want to say it, Jojo? Please go ahead. Squid Game. Squid Game. <laughs> and here's the thing. We had a huge debate. Like we, we, It was easy to come together and put this list together for you folks. But for this number one, we had a bit of a debate. And in terms of substance, this probably is not on everybody's number one. It's not everybody's number one on the list. But we couldn't help but making this one the number one because, one, it is the most popular show that we've ever done. And yes. two... yes. It wasn't a bad show. Squid no. Game is not a bad show at all. No, it's not. It was. It it's turned out to be incredibly popular. Uh, you know, the the show itself. It it did make a lot of people's lists for the year, not just ours. It was kind of a breakthrough for us in terms of the podcast and in our downloads. And uh, like you said, it's not a bad show at all. It's it's very entertaining. It does have a commentary kind of on what's going on in life, and uh, you know, it's 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 bonkers. It's wackadoo. It is, you know, people playing games for their lives. But it kind of, I think, encapsulates the year very well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right, Judge. So we had a, an episode about, about Squid Game, as we said, and I think part of the reason why this episode is very successful is because we approached Squid Game not from the perspective of the series that we watched, but rather deciphering the message that lies within it. And yes. I've listened to several other podcast episodes about Squid Game and they're all about what happened in the show and blah, 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 blah. What we saw was the social commentary and we went deep in that one. And I think it resonated with folks who have listened to this episode. And again, to this day, it is the most downloaded episode we have ever, ever done. Still, it's getting about 600 downloads per week. And we did this episode when, Jojo? Uh, let's see. I had the date here. We did this episode on September 28th. September 28th. Yeah, so September 28th. I know that some people enjoy saying, am I the only one who's never seen this show and blah, blah, blah. Look. You're probably not doing anybody any favor, no, nor are you doing yourself any favor for not watching the show. It's, it's, it's not a question of because everybody else has watched it, I don't want to watch it. There is something in the show that will, will, will sort of echo a little bit of your reality, my reality, and everybody else's. This is a Korean show, and... It's been said that some of the essence of the show was lost in translation, literally, in the sense that the dubbing wasn't faithful to the actual text of what was being said. 
I can only imagine how much better this show would have been had that been uh, achieved. Having said that, Squid Game is a show that needs your attention. You might not come out of it saying, my perspective on life as a whole has changed. Um, but this show is definitely more... The entertainment value is there. Yeah. But this might not be a show that you'll watch just based on a question of entertainment. There's more to it than that. And I, I still think that a lot of people haven't realized that. A lot of people who watch this show and claim to love it still haven't realized that there's more to the show than the entertainment value. Isn't it, Judge? I agree. 100%. I agree. And so here's what's going to happen. We have given you a list of 20 best TV shows in TV series and movies that we've watched this year on streaming platforms, on Hulu, on Amazon, on Netflix, on HBO Max, and Apple. So we are going to call it a day today. And before we do that, we want to, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have a couple of more episodes, well, at least one more episode for you before the end of the year. But if we don't, because there's a lot of work to do with this episode, if we don't, please don't forget us and don't forget to come back to us. We wish you happy holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate, right? That's right. And a happy new year. And we hope to see you back here next year for more Kicking and Streaming. Right, Julie? See That's right. Safe and happy, peace and love. Fantastic. Um, we also would like to remind you that this show comes to you completely free. But again, it is important to let you know that you can do something for us if you wish to. If you ever thought about giving us a tip, then we have Buy Me A Coffee. You can go to our website, Kicking and Streaming Podcast, click on the little button that says Buy Me A Coffee, and you can make a one-time donation. Or you can support us on a monthly basis too. Here's the thing. We don't put this show, we're not going to ever put this show behind a paywall. But things have a cost. And, you know, uh, if you want to help, we'll, we'll take it. We'll definitely take it. I'm not even lying. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, we'll, we'll take it. So remember, if you have a spare of ten dollars and shit and you wanna give it to Graham and, and Jojo. Like think about it this way. You just bought us coffee. Buy me a coffee, go and find us there. All right? Yep. We can all have coffee together during one of our podcasts. Yeah, I mean we don't drink coffee. We're basically like beer drinkers. So it's buy me a beer, but <laughs> the name of the the of the the whole system is called buy me a coffee. So that's what we do. <laughs> But seriously, we've had a lot of fun doing this podcast for you for the entirety of the year. We hope that if you discovered us throughout the year, that, you know, at this point, we are part of your week. That you come back and see us again. And uh, tell us which of these you like. Tell us which should have made our list, which movie or TV series that should have made our list. As long as it is as it is streamable. Yep. Don't, don't come here and say, you know, 
we think this is us should have made your list because that shit is on NBC. That's not streamable. Yep, we don't we don't do that. We're talking about exactly. <laughs> we don't do that. But if it's not a streaming thing and we missed it and it was your favorite show of the year, tell us about it. And maybe about we can it. talk about it next year. We can. We'll do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But for now, we are going to call it a day. We want to thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time, folks. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you've found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.